Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. Um, I'm going to be going to 1 Kings chapter chapter 6. I've been reading that chapter. This has been a, 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 a three-series message. Can, I want to be honest with you. I, I feel like I feel like this series can go much longer. Um, I, I don't know if it'll be appropriate. And quite frankly, I feel I feel like I'm underdoing what it deserves. You, you know, when you're preaching the Word of God, it's like you want to extrapolate everything that you possibly can out of out of it. But at the same time, you have this sense that it deserves more. You know, I think that's God's gift to me. It's like, you know. And that's kind of how I'm feeling in this series because there's just so much depth in this temple of Solomon. Like, when I, the more I study it, it, the more I see Jesus in it. And I don't know if you remember this, but I did like a five or six series message and it was called, this was several months back. I want to know how many people remember this. It was called, What Keeps You From the Courts? How, how many remember that? Well, how many don't remember the message? Don't be ashamed, come on. Some of you weren't even here and you're still not raising your hand. Okay, you have to go back and listen to some of it after I conclude this message. And here's why. Because it, what I'm not doing is going into the in-depth elements that are in the temple. Okay, now this is only a replica. I'm gonna show you a video in just a minute. I showed that the first week. I'd like to replay it in just a minute. It's about three, three minutes long or so, three and a half minutes. But it's gonna show you all the elements within the temple. And again, those are a reflection of Jesus in each element. Say each element. Everything from the, from the altar itself, right? Where the lambs and the animals would be slain. We know that one day Jesus would be on that altar and he would die for our sins. We know that when they approach, can you put the wilderness tabernacle up on the screen? Not the scripture, I'm sorry. I know I get sidetracked. You see the altar over on the right. I know I have a laser here somewhere. Does anybody know where my laser is? Nobody? Forgive me a minute. It's on what? There my laser is. Sorry, let me just be myself here. Let me teach you a little bit. There we go, and it works. So this is called the wilderness tabernacle. Say the wilderness tabernacle. Or the tent of meeting. Why is it called the tent of meeting? It was called the tent of meeting. It's because that's where God chose to meet with his people face to face in Israel, namely the priest, because only the priest was able to go into the Holy of Holies. This was the altar. Now, this is the very, there's three, there's three replicas of this. Number one, we have the tent of meeting or the tent of Moses or the tabernacle. Say the tabernacle. Can you give me that next one that was... Uh, Solomon's temple. This is Solomon's temple. Moses had died. They redid it. They figured they had a little bit more money. <laughs> and they wanted to redo it, which they did based on God's instruction. But then in about 500 uh, BC, before Jesus died, the Babylonians came to Jerusalem. They came to the nation of Israel and destroyed it. And this is what they built. Herod built it. Do you, do you understand? So we have the one in the wilderness. Say the wilderness. We had Solomon's. This is actually Herod's. It looks very much similar, but that one was destroyed when the Babylonians took over. Are you following me? And so there's certain elements in the building that all represent Jesus from the altar where Jesus would be sacrificed to the, to the laver where they would clean the blood off of their hands. Remember that? We, we taught on that, how, Jesus, how the water represented the cleansing of the Holy Spirit or the Word of God. Then you get inside the tabernacle and there is the lampstand. And if you study the lampstand, did you know there's, there's five or se excuse me, seven buds on those lampstands? And why are they almond buds? And in the middle... The, the, the middle one sprouts higher than the rest of them. Why is that? When did Jesus get crucified? When do we celebrate Easter or Resurrection Sunday? 
springtime, when things sprout. Remember the scriptures testify that Jesus would be a root that comes out of dry ground. That's heavy stuff. And he would bloom forth out of death, out of a place of death. Then you go to the table of showbread where, they, where the priests would eat of the bread. What would that represent? Thousands of years later, Jesus would die and he would become the bread of the bread of life or the bread of heaven. Remember, he even said of himself, I am the bread which come, comes down from heaven. He says, your fathers ate the manna and they died, but I'm the true bread that came down from heaven. Man, this is good preaching right here. All the scriptures testify of the Messiah, Jesus, who would one day come. And then we have the, we go to the incense, the table of incense inside that tabernacle. And that's where the priest, he would pray and he would intercede. And when the glory of the Lord would begin to come, he knew that he would be welcomed behind the veil. Now in this picture, there is no veil here, but there was a veil. Say there was a veil. It was a very thick tapestry. Even the tapestry and the colors that were used in the tapestry speak of the divinity of Jesus purple being royalty and so on. Red representing the blood of Jesus. And then inside that you have what's called right there. I don't have a close-up picture of it, but that is called the Ark of the Covenant. Inside the Ark were the broken Ten Commandments that Moses had written. You remember that. Then there was manna that was in there. And there was also Aaron's rod that budded. I don't want to go into the details. Maybe I'll just give you one because I, I, love, I love the fact that Aaron's rod budded. It was a stick that budded a leaf or a flower on the end of it and it wasn't attached to anything. And that inside that ark represents the cross that would one day bud out of death. Are you listening to me? So everything speaks of Jesus. And so we fast forward now and we get to Solomon's temple and this is in 1 Kings, and a little background before I read the scripture. The past couple weeks, I preached a message entitled, uh, Build Without Noise. Everybody say, Build Without Noise. Do you remember the scriptures say that they were not allowed to build with tools and hammers inside the temple? That speaks of allowing the Holy Spirit to do a work in your life. You know what I mean by noise? You go through all the religious motions and you scream, you shout, but nothing ever changes. It's, it's because we, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in us. And it's not about all the acts that you're doing. It's about the inner work of the Holy Spirit, right? And then I preached a message last week uh, entitled, uh, From the House to the Heart. So it went from talking about how we are not to build to now, how do we do it from the heart? Do you remember that? It was talking about, you know, doing things from the heart, not just through actions. Do you remember that? And then now today's message, if you missed that last week, I encourage you to grab it because it'll make sense. Today will make sense. And today we're gonna, I'm gonna minister a message entitled Humanity and Divinity. And it's gonna make sense in just a minute. Say humanity and divinity. All right, so if you can't just grab your Bible, I'm not gonna have you stand. I'm gonna read this uh, really quick. Just hold your Bible high up in the air if you can. I want everybody to say this after me on the count of three. One, two, three. This is the infallible, undisputed, and an errant word of God. Today, I open up my heart, mind, spirit, and soul to receive from its truths. God, I thank you that fruit will abound to my account as a result of reading, hearing, and applying your word to every area of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, 1 Kings chapter 6. Last week, we ended at verse 13. We're picking up at verse 14, so we're literally going line upon line, precept upon precept. Don't worry, kids. I'll make sure this, uh, young people, I'll make sure that you get something out of this too. The Lord will, rather. Um, so this is a little bit of a, a long read. Now, now, here's what I want you to pay attention to. Look at somebody and say, pay attention. You have to pay attention to this. This is so beautiful what the Lord shared. And he shared it with me this morning. Okay, this all came out of this morning, so I hope it's good. I believe it's good because it came from him. But I want you to recognize how many times the two words are mentioned in this verse, in these next preceding verses, which is verses 30, uh, 14 through 38. Wood, everybody say wood, and gold. 
It was funny that Marisol, you mentioned gold this morning because that's exactly what the Lord, I, I knew the Lord wanted me to talk about was the wood and the gold. So I want you to take note how many times it's mentioned in this and then we're gonna dive in this and have some fun. You ready? It says this, starting at verse 14. So Solomon built the temple and he finished it. Everybody say he was done. And he built the inside walls of the temple with cedar boards from the floor of the temple to the ceiling. He paneled the inside with wood and he covered the floor of the temple with planks of cypress. These are all species of wood. And then he built the 20 cubit room at the rear. A cubit is literally from the elbow tip to the tip of your finger. That is the size of a cubit. That's just under two feet from the elbow to the tip. Say a cubit is from elbow to the tip of your middle finger. That, that is a cubit. They didn't have measuring uh, things back then. They used the length of your elbow to, to this. I don't know why they did that, but they did. The rear of the temple from floor to ceiling with cedar boards. He built the inside as the inner sanctuary, as the most holy place. And in front of the temple sanctuary was 40 cubits long and inside of the temple was cedar carved with ornamental buds, open flowers. Hmm. All was cedar. Everybody say it all was wood. Well, it, were, it was all wood. Uh, there was no stone to be seen. And he prepared the inner sanctuary inside the temple to set the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord there. The inner sanctuary was 20 cubits long, 20 cubits wide, and 20 cubits high. He overlaid it with pure what? Everybody say that out loud. Pure what? Pure gold and overlaid the altar of cedar. So Solomon overlaid, watch his overemphasis here. Because why is he doing this? Because it was not Solomon pinning this. The Holy Spirit is inspiring the writer. And this writer probably had no earthly idea what he was doing. But watch the overemphasis of this. He over, he, Solomon overlaid the inside of the temple with pure gold. Say pure gold. Stretched out golds of chains across the inner sanctuary and he overlaid it with gold. The whole temple he overlaid with what? Why is he saying it so many times? Until he had finished all the temple, he also overlaid with gold, the entire altar that was by the inner sanctuary. Inside the inner sanctuary, he made two cherubim of olive wood, each 10 cubits high. One wing of the cherubim was five cubits. The other wing of the cherubim, five cubits, 10 cubits from the tip of one wing to the tip of the other. And the other cherub was 10 cubits. Both cherubim were of the same size and shape. The height of one cherub was 10 cubits, and so was the other cherub. Then he set the cherubim inside the inner room, and they stretched out the wings of the cherubim so that the wing of one touched the wall, and the wing of the other cherubim touched the wall. And their wings, don't let me lose you, and their wings touched each other in the middle of the room. So it's, he's giving you a visual of how large this, these cherubim or these angels are. He also overlaid the cherubim with what? Everybody say gold. Then he carved the walls of the temple all around, both the inner and the outer sanctuaries. He carved fingers of cherubim, palm trees, and open flowers. Figures, excuse me, figures. And open flowers. And the floor of the temple he overlaid with what? So he has the ceiling lined with gold. He has the walls lined with gold. He has now the floors covered with gold, both the inner and outer sanctuaries. For the entrance of the inner sanctuary, he made the doors of olive wood. The lintel and the doorposts were one-fifth of the wall. The two doors of olive wood. And he carved on them figures of cherubs, palm trees, and open flowers. And he overlaid them with what? Do you see the, the, the amount of times he's mentioning wood as he's finishing this and gold. And he spread the what? Gold on cherubim and the palm trees. So for the door of the sanctuary, he also made doorposts of olive wood, one fourth of the wall. And two doors were cypress wood, two panels. That's what this podium is, cypress wood. Comprised one folding door and two panels uh, comprised 
the other folding door. Then he carved, almost done, then he carved cherubim, palm trees, and opened flowers and overlaid them with what? Gold, applied evenly on the carved work. And he built the inner court with three rows of hewn stone and a row of cedar beams. In the fourth year, listen to this, in the fourth year of the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid in the month of Ziv. Everybody say Ziv. I don't want to go into the meaning of that. If I'm not mistaken, Ziv was a, a month of sorrow. Is that, is that what Ziv, I believe it was? I'll have to, I'll have to circle back on that. But it's interesting that that, um, that word Ziv, I've studied it before. I believe it means sorrow. The time that they were building the house of the Lord was in times of hardship. Are you listening? And in the 11th year, in the month of Bull, which is the eighth month, the house of the Lord was finished in all of its details. Everybody say he was done. And he, he accomplished it according to its, all its plans. So he, was, so he was seven years in building it. Everybody say seven years. All God's people said, amen. Now, isn't that funny? Let's just stop there because it took the Lord, well, it was seven days, six days he created the world and the seventh day he rested. We all know that the, the number seven means completion. Everybody say completion. I'm trying to get you to repeat because when you repeat, it sticks better. It's like, kind of like writing things down. However, it takes a man seven years to accomplish the house of the Lord. So God created the world in six or seven days, the seventh day he rested, but a man to build his house, he chose him to build it within seven years. Amen. There's got to be a correlation there. So today I, I want to I preach this message entitled, I believe it's really going to bless you. It's called Partnership Between Humanity and Divinity. Partnership with, between humanity and divinity. Everybody say that out loud. Say partnership between humanity and divinity. Now, now let's talk about the location where this temple uh, was built. We're talking about Solomon's temple. I'm not going to play the video today. I, I thought I was going to go through it. I think everybody has kind of seen that video, um, right? Most of you have. So let's talk about where its placement was. Now, this is interesting. And I don't know about you, but I see Jesus all throughout the scriptures, as I, I mentioned often. Does anybody know where it was placed? Come on, a little Bible history. I'm not going to give you a $100 gift card. I'm just, just, you know, anybody know? Solomon had this thing built on top of Mount Moriah. Now, this is interesting. This is a historical fact. Who did not know that? Or who did know that? Okay, Mount Moriah was where Abraham attempted to sacrifice his only begotten son, now, now, I went up to Joel before service this morning. I, I, said, I said, this was so interesting to me. I need everybody to lean in on this. I said it was his only begotten son. He says, does the scripture say that? And I really didn't know. Sometimes you have to pretend as a pastor. Yeah, I think so. And I said, let me look it up. Because we all know in the natural, God, had a, God gave Abraham two sons. As a matter of fact, Ishmael was the first son. So why would the scripture, so I looked up the scriptures. I said, if it's his only son, where is Joel? Joel's in the back interpreting. In my heart, I'm like, Joel, if it says my one and only son, because of the Solomon's temple is a picture. Everybody say Solomon's temple is a picture or a, uh, what word would I use? Um, prototype or a foreshadow of Jesus. I said to myself, and I didn't know, but I said, if he built that on top of Mount Moriah, I'm going to come out of my skin. If, he, if, if Abraham calls Isaac his one and only son, I'm going to come out of my skin. So I Googled it. I didn't even look on the Bible app because sometimes it's not a sophisticated app. I Googled it, and God says to Abraham, go to Mount Moriah. I'm quoting scripture. Go to Mount Moriah and sacrifice your one and only son. Now, why would God say that? He was the promised son. Are you tracking me? Was it his one? Was it his only son? Not in the natural, but in the spirit, it was his one and only son. 
And the Holy Spirit began to speak to me. I'm about to have some fun with this one. Are y'all ready for some revelation? This is, I'm starting to figure him out. Now, I know I won't figure him out ultimately. I'm starting to figure out his ways because there's ways about him. Because it is this very same thing. Like why in the world would God call Jesus his one and only son? When he had a son in Genesis. Oh, this is good. Not the water. I'm talking about the revelation. God blew into his nostrils the breath of life and Adam, he created Adam and he became a life-giving spirit. Are y'all listening? Why in the world would God call Jesus his only begotten son when Adam was born in the beginning? All of this is foreshadows or prototypes of Jesus coming in the world. What God was saying, he's my one and only begotten, meaning it came directly from God. He came directly from him, his one and only son, his obedient son. And, and Isaac and Adam are prototypes of that. Excuse me, Ishmael and Isaac. Are you listening to me? Just like, just like Jesus and Adam would be. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying this morning? Are you seeing that? And so God instructs them to build the temple on Mount Moriah where Isaac was to be offered as Abraham's one and only son. You think that was by accident? God did this absolutely on purpose because he was trying to declare for, to a generation for thousands of years, here's a shadow of what I'm going to do in the future. These are little prerequisites. These are glimpses into the future of what the Messiah will one day do for all of humanity. God would send his only begotten son through a virgin named Mary, not conceived through another man, but conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. And she would give birth to a son who would one day live a sinless life, die a sinless death, and his blood, when it was shed, would cover all of humanity. Come on, that's powerful. That's powerful. Hallelujah. And so these are pre prerequisites, prototypes, and foreshadows. And, and here's, when you look at the walls, I want you to picture that. Can we, can we put the picture up on the wall? Now, now, on the screen, when you look on the inside of this, do you see any wood? You don't see any wood. What do you see? Come on, what do you see? We see gold. Everybody say gold. But we know that it's underlaid with wood. It is a picture of the Christ because you think it was, they could have hung him on anything. They chose to hang him on a tree. They chose to hang him on wood. Do you know if you study what wood represents biblically, what does it represent? You said flesh. That's, that's true. That's true. It represents, another word for that is humanity. Because wood, when detached from a life-giving tree that has roots, it begins to decay. You know, as, as pretty as you are, honey, one day you might have one wrinkle. I don't know. I'm pretty I'm sure I'm not prophet of the Lord, but you know. I've seen some young pictures of you, so I, I, wrinkles eventually come, you know. He's in great shape, don't get me wrong, but these earthen suits will one day begin to decay. And so, so when they built this temple, I believe that it was strategically done to be a prototype or a foreshadow of what Jesus would be. And it, the wood, when it was laid, the framing, when you build a home, what is the framing usually made out of if it's not commercial? In other words, it would be wood. Say wood. Framing, do you know what framing does? Framing holds up the walls. Like, like okay, I'll preach real quick, just to, as a little, you want to preach? Yeah, okay. If your life is beginning to fall apart, begin to do spiritual introspect on your life and look at your framework. If you're depressed, look at your framework. Is my life being framed up with our Lord Jesus Christ? Because, or if you're cracking, you're cracking under pressure. If your marriage is falling apart, if things are beginning to deteriorate in your life, don't, don't necessarily look to the Lord. First, look at your framework because he's trying to become your framework. You have to look 
within it, your framework. Am I not allowing the Lord to frame? Am I not framing my life around him? Because God's not going to lay the gold first. He doesn't give blessings first. He starts with the framework. Oh, that's too heavy for you. Because I know because it puts responsibility on us. Say, Lord, help me. Allow you to lay wooden framework in my life before you bless me. Because God doesn't build blessings on sinking sand. And, and when our framework is not there, it doesn't matter how much blessing God gives you, if he gives you the blessings, if he gives you the gold, if he gives you the gold before he lays the framework in you, it doesn't matter how much he gives you, we can lose it. Or the devil can come steal it. Come on. Or the storms of life will see to it that it gets washed away. Say, Lord... Build the framework in me. Is this okay? So the framework underneath that gold is wood, wooden framework. That signifies humanity or the humanity of Jesus. Now I want you to look at this. Remember this. Always remember this. You only, listen, let me just establish this. Jesus, this is why, this is why I never got into the, me and your husband had to talk about this, that this was the problem with the Jesus only movement. There was, there was a little issue with it because Jesus is both divine and human. And this is important because if you think of only Jesus as only being divine, your salvation is null and void. It has to be. He had to come in a, in a body and identify with you before he could save you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm going to read it. Watch, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read it. Did, when Jesus came, did he need to get saved? Say it again, Pop. Did he have to get saved? No, he didn't. He did not. Why in the world would he get baptized then? Oh. For thus is fitting to fulfill all things. When he came in the flesh, he was fulfilling something. When they were laying that wood underneath that gold, God was setting the stage of what he would be and do and accomplish in the, every saint's life. Are you listening? Watch this. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. It says this. Then Jesus came from Galilee. Now, this is right after Jesus starts, right before he starts. Let me rewind that. This is right before Jesus' ministry starts. Now, he'd already lived for 30 years. You understand that? He lived longer as a human than he lived in his divine purpose and calling. But his humanity was leading to a divine purpose and calling. This is why you can't crack in the tough seasons. Because everything that you're going through right now is just prerequisites preparing, laying the framework of what God is about to do in your life. Oh, some of y'all don't believe that. Maybe I should say that again. The trouble that we go through in life is God working in the framework, something afar. <laughs> what's that scripture say? Um, that the present sufferings are not worthy to be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us in Christ Jesus. Like this wood stuff that God is framing in our life. Don't let it fool you. God is about to lay pure gold on the, because listen, you are a, you are a prototype. Oh, you don't believe that. You don't believe that. Genesis chapter one, let us make man in our own image and in our likeness. When God created you, let me make him look. She's pretty, but I gotta make her look like me. And life is all about developing in you all the necessary ingredients until God says, yep, he's starting to look like me. Yep. Oh yeah, let me, I gotta send it. I know, and I'm not gonna let it crush you. But I got to send this. Hey, listen, they're going to have to leave you. I know you don't want them to leave you. I know you love them. I love them too, but they're not a part of my purpose and destiny for your life. I got to get them out of the way because if you stay with them, you won't look like me like you should be looking like me. So I got to remove them because you'll begin to rely on them. And if you rely on them, you don't look like me. You have to rely on him. Oh, you begin to start to see every little thing in your life as developmental things that God has set up to build the framework I'm going to get to, oh man, I, I just want to just go down to the bottom and get, get y'all running up here because God is about to do something in our lives. God is about to do something in the world. 
The tough stuff is building the framework necessary for God to build his house in you. Because God don't build temples made with hands. Ah, it's more than, it's not about a building. It's about what he's building in us, a temple made without hands. Guess where his glory, if you go there, now if you go to the temple, guess what it is? It's called the Dome of Rock. That's what's there. That's on Mount Moriah. Yeah, you know the picture. The Dome of Rock. Say the Dome of Rock. It is a mosque right now. You go there, does the glory of the Lord dwell there? Nope. Guess where he moved on? Come on, look down in you. Look down in you. God doesn't dwell in temples made with hands. He dwells on the inside of every person who calls upon the name of the Lord. Oh, y'all don't believe me. Watch this. Then Jesus came from Galilee right before his ministry started to be baptized by John. And John tried to prevent him. John wasn't wrong for preventing him. John the Baptist, you know John the Baptist. He tried to prevent Jesus saying, I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so. For thus is fitting to fulfill all righteousness. Why was he doing that? He needed to be fully human. He knew he had to go through the process of being human. Jesus, is, is he divine? Absolutely. We're talking about God's son. Jesus, before the world was, Jesus was. He's the only begotten of the Father. He is, he is one of the triune. He is, they're three, yet they're one. I can't figure it out. It's the three, yet they're, yet they're one. They're one, but they're three. Three and one, right? Say they're three and one. But Jesus, in order to save us, had to identify with us. Do you know what baptism represents? Death. This body, remember when the apostle Paul said, oh, who will deliver me from this body of death, death. He said, who would, no, say death. He said, who will deliver me from this body of death? So Jesus, in order to save you from death, had to put on an earth suit that would eventually die. He made him who knew no sin. Why? So that we might become. He had to identify with humanity by becoming human. He was 100% man, yet 100% Come on, say it. 100% man, yet 100% God. Now listen what happens. Then he allowed him, John allowed him, or yes, John allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the gold descending. No, it doesn't say that. Did y'all catch that? Did y'all catch it? I'm waiting to see if y'all caught that one. Did you catch it, Pop? It actually says, he came up out of the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him after he identified with humanity. Baptism represents death after he was baptized and identified with us as human beings. The spirit of God came, up, came upon him in the form of a dove. I, I was playing with the scripture and said, then the gold got overlaid. But that's exactly what happened in that moment. humanity. Let, let me just read this title to you. Let me say partnership with humanity and divinity. You, you will never be perfect on this side of heaven. But God will work out his perfect framework in you so that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, it doesn't break you. It betters you. He betters you. Are you listening? Somebody say, Lord, Lay my walls with gold. Watch this. Spirit of God descending upon him like a dove and aligning upon him and suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, behold, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So listen, Jesus' baptism was essential. It was him identifying with us as fully human. Come on, I want you to think about this. Look, look at who God used in the New and the Old Testament, all throughout history to build his kingdom. So now, yes, we're looking at Jesus as a replica in Solomon's temple, but at the same time, this applies to your life and how God works with us 
because he worked with us just like he worked with Jesus. I don't get no amens because I don't know if, if we believe that. How many believe that? How God works with Jesus, he works with you. Jesus paid it all. Yes, he did, but you will pay too. I'm not talking about paying for sins, but you will pay for the price. You will pay the price to follow the Lord. Anybody paying a price right now? We will pay the price. Listen to this. And you see it in the life of David, a shepherd boy, wood. That's all he was, shepherd boy. He played the harp, big deal. Wood, that's all he was. But when the Holy Spirit came upon him, he became a king. Look at somebody and say, don't let me fool you. Don't let this wood fool you. Go ahead, tell him. Tell Cohen. Tell him, don't let this wood fool you. Some of you parents, you know, I don't care how you acted to your kids this morning. Those kids need to be reminded. Listen, this is, this is don't, don't let the wood fool you. Just because I came out of character yesterday, do not let my fallen side fool you. Because when God gets on me, I'm a different person. And when you get on my nerves, I become a different person too. I'm playing with you this morning. Look at, look at Peter. God intentionally used men and women who are very human. I, I, I can't tell you, pastoring a church, you find out that people are really human. Like I've seen people prophesy in one moment and the power of God use them in one moment. And, and then the next meeting, I'm like, who are you anyway? Like, but you're seeing Humanity and divinity. Oh, we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. Listen, your flesh will never be sanctified. No, it cannot be. It, you know the flesh can't be ever sanctified. Never fully on this side of heaven. Never the flesh. Listen, all you have to do is let up on your prayer life one week. And it will remind you that your flesh will never be sanctified. You ever felt it's the enemy of God? Now listen, listen to this. Have you ever sat there and wondered like, man, I've been serving the Lord all this time. Why I still struggle with this? You don't. Your spirit don't struggle with it. It's gold, baby. It's blinging. But your flesh is wood. It's ever deteriorating. It's always deteriorating. This is why we have to get the Holy Spirit on us as soon as possible. So we stop deteriorating before you send them to heaven early. You hear me? <laughs> look, look at Peter, very human man. I believe God did this so intentionally. He chose someone. He didn't choose a priest to build his church. He didn't use a prophet to build his church. He goes down and he says, hmm, I'm gonna, he comes down from the mountain praying all night long and he says, and he goes down to the docks he goes down to the wood docks and says, hmm, let me figure out the most human person I can find. He doesn't even go to the synagogue. He doesn't go to uh, the high priest's house and say, hey, you want to help me build the church? He goes to someone who is very human. Yeah, you're giving me the look that I think about myself too. I'm like, why in the world would you choose me? Anybody ever feel like that? I'm very human. I'm very human. Catch me on a bad day. You'll, you'll, you'll see the real human. But then when the Holy Spirit comes upon a person, a man or woman who's very human, they become dangerous in the kingdom of God in the best way. This is why we need the Holy Spirit to overlay us. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because it will, listen to this, talking about choosing very human people, look at who he chose to build right two thirds of the New Testament. You know who the writer was? I told this gentleman last night, I told him, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. And I said, do you know the guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament was a murderer? Not an average murderer. The Apostle Paul, yes. First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, and so on. Roman, all of the books, most of them, two-thirds of them was a murderer of Christians before his conversion. He was fully human. And yet, God used him to minister to and govern the early church. Say, Lord, use me. Yeah, if he could use Paul, a murderer, he can use you. 
Yeah. All right. So say the wood was overlaid with gold. Is this okay, guys? Are y'all following me? Is this too deep? Okay. Now we're going to talk about the gold. Now, now, now watch this. It's funny, funny you mentioned this this morning, Marisol. Gold, biblically, represents divinity. Because gold, if you tarnish it, all you have to do is polish it. It doesn't decay. This is why people drill into the ground hundreds, thousands of feet because it's been there for thousands, eons, years since the world has been here, since God created the world, that gold has been in the ground. And the elements and the minerals will not cause the gold to decay. There's nowhere you can put gold and it will decay. You can put it in the fire and won't, you know how water evaporates? You put water in the fire, it will turn into vapor, it'll go away. You put water in the fire, it melts, but when the fire cools down, it turns hard again. It turns back into a solid. You cannot get rid of gold. So gold in the Bible biblically represents divinity. Say divinity. That's what first, or excuse me, second Corinthians chapter four, verse seven says, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power of God may be of him and not of us. It's not of us. We're just wood. But when God gets on top of us, overlays us, let me read another one. Maybe this one will get you good. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 46 through 49. I know this is a lot of scripture. Now this is a heavy one. It says, however, the spiritual is not first. I wish we could put it up on the screen. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural. Some of you really spiritual people will say, oh no, the spirit is first. But the Bible doesn't say that. Remember how I said, sometimes you can't just look to God first. You have to, if you have problems going on in your life, look at the framework. And I'm not saying look within for answers, but what I am saying is look and see if you're even allowing God to build the right framework in your life. Because you can resist him. Listen. There's people who are sick all over the world. There's people who are falling all over the world. There's people who are far from Jesus all over the world. Does that mean that Jesus didn't die and pay the price? No. It is the framework that the person has allowed or not allowed in their life. So it's, it's not up to God how we experience him. Who's it up to? Exactly. It's up to us. How we experience God. It's not up to God. It's how you position yourself. Listen, I remember as a kid, don't go to sleep on me, mom. I remember as a kid, I'm gonna pick on him, I'm gonna wake you up. Frog splash or story, one of them, which one you want? So when I, when I, back when I was a kid, I would ride the bikes. Remember, we would ride bikes until me and Matthew would ride bikes until the street lights came on. How many grew up in those days? No, I didn't play a video game. They didn't have that. You had to go inside and hook stuff up in order to play a video game. So we would play until. The, the cows came home or she said, come home when the lights are on in the street. That was dinner time. See, we didn't have watches. Our watch was the street light. <laughs> How many remember that? I, would, I, I didn't have no watch, didn't have no cell phone. I remember we, I, eventually I got a pager. Time to come home, 911. You remember that? They would text you 911. That means emergency, get home. Y'all don't remember that? 143 was I love you. They're like, what is he talking about? A pager, Cohen. It was they, when somebody wanted to get a hold of you, you had a little thing that's a quarter of this size, like that, and you put it on your hip, and it would just beep, and you couldn't even type things. You had to do like Morse code. Nine one one meant it was an emergency. Get home. One four three meant I love you, or you'd put your phone number in. So if they needed to get a hold of you, they would see you would see their number come up on the pager, and you go to a pay phone. You had to pay for a phone, and it had a cord, and you'd get up and you'd call them. How many remember that? Y'all looking at me like a dinosaur. Where was I going with that? Oh yeah, so God doesn't do all the work for us. He won't, he won't, he won't, he won't make us go to the cross. He won't make us accept the finished work of his grace. It was kind of like when mom would cook. Like it's available, the street light is on. That's the street light on right there. 
You can come home and feast on his goodness if you want to, or you can stay out there and play all night until you're satisfied. Most people don't experience God, not because Jesus didn't die for their sins, not because, it's, not because he's not at work in their life, but because they will not come to him. Remember when Jesus spoke over Jerusalem and he said, oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem, how I've longed to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks, but you were not willing. How many are willing this morning? Say, Lord, we are willing. So watch this. Let me get back to my text. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural and afterward, the spiritual. The first man was of the earth. Who's he talking about? Say Adam. He was made of the dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. Who's he talking about? Jesus. So we got Adam and we got Jesus. Again, 1 Corinthians 15, for your reference, verse 46 through 49. And it goes on to say this. As was the man of the dust, so also are those who are made of the dust. He's talking about being wood. Now, he's talking to us. This is the apostle Paul talking to us. He's, he's giving a correlation between us and the Lord. So before you guys label me a heretic about identifying with Jesus, it says it right here in the scriptures. As was the man of the dust or wood. What does wood do? Decays. So also are those who are made of the dust. And I love this. He says, as is the heavenly man, so also are those who are of the heavenly man. And as we have borne the image of the man of the dust, meaning Adam, say Adam, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Oh God, I just could run. This was, when I first got born again, I learned this. This is, this is elementary. Identifying with the Lord. Listen, understanding what Jesus did on the cross to activate your redemption is the very first stage in Christianity. It's the ABC of the gospel. And we should never graduate. And far be it from us that we would ever graduate. That's God's heart right there. If you look at creation, you look at those trees out there. I was talking to this gentleman yesterday. You see those trees? You look out, you see green? That's his hand. That's his handiwork. That's his heart. His hand, stars, moon, sun, trees, plants. You know, as, as beautiful as daffodils are and tiger lilies and roses. That's his hand. That was easy. But when he looks at you, it's his heart. That's God's heart making you into his image and likeness. And he's correlating here. He's saying, you bore the image of the man of the dust, but now you bear the image of the sun. I wish I could get three people to believe that. If I could just get three people, we'd mess up all Wymore Road. We shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. Do you remember? I'm gonna close in just a minute. Do you remember what Jesus would say to his disciples? Remember this in 1 Corinthians chapter, excuse me, John chapter 16 in the gospel. You can make a note of this. John chapter 16, verse 12 through 15. Let me just say this because I see some of y'all's faces. When you get this, the devil will no longer be a problem. You become a problem for the devil. How many are tired of the devil being a problem for you? It's, it's how you view yourself in the Lord. Like I could never boast in the cross. I, excuse, I could never boast in my flesh. I have to boast in the cross because it's all the work of the Holy Spirit. Not that we have anything to do with it. This grace, this Paul said, this grace that's been given to me, this grace, this grace, this grace. It's a work of the Lord in our lives. Putting gold on our humanity makes us valuable. Are you hearing me? It's the Lord upon us. It's the Lord in our lives. The only thing that makes us valuable is him on that cross and his blood that was shed for us. Listen what he says to the disciples. This is before the gold hit the walls. I want you to think about the New Testament. I know I'm speaking symbolically and metaphorically, but I need you to stay with me. Look at those walls again. I want you to picture the wood underneath there. And we see the gold. Jesus says to his disciples right before he ascends to heaven, 
before he's crucified. And he says this, I still have many things to say to you, but you're still wood. Okay, it doesn't say that. But listen what it does say. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. You can't hold it now. Your framework is not strong enough. Why couldn't he handle it that now? Why couldn't they handle it then? It's gonna tell you why. I still have many revelations to give to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the Holy Spirit has come, the spirit of truth, the gold, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. Listen to this. He will take of what is mine and he will declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said he will take of what is mine and give it or declare it to you. Oh, that, that, that scripture right there gets me happy because I know I can't earn it. I know I don't deserve it. Least any man should boast. It is, gra- it is by grace ye are saved that I am saved. Not of works, least any man should boast. It is the work of God. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. Unfortunately, the world looked like only what's under there, human. So we got to really preach a really greasy message just to make sure we get in. But you won't have to grease nothing when you're laid with gold. I love it. I promise. I want you to sit in the front row and we got to show them how to. Did y'all hear what I just said? The only reason to preach a greasy message is all you is if you remain wood, human. Because then we got to start figuring out ways to justify our way in. The Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, he makes wood what it ain't. That's what Jesus does. He came, listen, uh, he didn't come just to get you into heaven. He came to lay you with this stuff to make it look like heaven on earth. (laughs) thy kingdom come thy will be done on in your house in your marriage in your children in your in your calling in your church as it is in heaven the flesh will never be sanctified stop trying to sanctify it kill it not physically this takes this takes yielding and complete surrendering. Your humanity will never be sanctified on this side of heaven. Only the Holy Spirit, he is the sanctifier. He is the one who purifies us. He is a sanctifying spirit. The Holy Spirit is Jesus, say it, without a body. That's the Holy Spirit. He will testify. I know he's Jesus because he said, I'm going to send him. I'm going to send him. Say, he's Jesus without a body. Now now watch this. I want you to stand to your feet if you can. Some of y'all are looking tired. I'm happy though. I'm so happy. Thank you, Jesus. Listen to this. (laughs) This is so, this is so wonderful. I love the, I love the Bible. It's food for my spirit. Here's what he says. I know I'm giving you a lot of verses. Luke chapter four. Young people, young people, listen to me. Under 30, listen to me. Don't be discouraged about your humanity. And don't let that ever keep you from Jesus. Because you can never look like Jesus apart from Jesus. The computer struggles, the image struggles you have at home or at school, the personal struggles you have behind closed doors, I hate to tell you that when you get older, they just turn into older people's struggles. Right? Am I right about it, somebody? Am I right about it, ladies and gentlemen? I will tell on some of you. No, I won't. I won't tell. It won't ever. This is why you go after Jesus with all of your heart because you can't suppress it. 
Only the Holy Spirit, he's the restrainer. The Bible calls him the restrainer. He will, he will put that thing in a headlock. You pursue God, he will put that thing right in the headlock. You won't have to worry about sin dominating you. You won't have to worry about depression. Don't try to get rid of it on your own. You just run after Jesus. You just keep going after Jesus. You get close to Jesus, Jesus will make that thing bow at his feet. It will lose its power. He will lay you with liquid gold. He will take his divinity and give it to you. I just read that to you. He said, I will declare it to you. I will give it to you. Amen. Jesus died for more than just your redemption. He died so that you could look like him and walk like him and think like him on earth and in your life and your very practical mundane life on earth as it is in heaven. Yes, that's what he came for. Luke chapter four, verse 13 through 15. Now when the devil... Let me give you the background of this. Jesus had just now finished for 30, listen to me, for 30 years he'd been tempted. He was human. He had to walk around like, a, like wood, just humanity, but he had to become humanity in order to save humanity, right? I've, we've established that. For 30 years. And then before he gets upgraded, I'd like to, I, I say it's an upgrade because he goes from human to divine in a moment, but not before he enters the wilderness. Remember we taught about this? Adam got kicked out of the garden. Jesus ends up where Adam left off. He goes to the same three temptations. Remember that? Now watch this. You don't see one miracle. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're about to do. You don't see one miracle in this Bible in Jesus's life before he goes through the three temptations. Oh no, sir, you don't, not one miracle. And I'm gonna read it to you because after he leaves the wilderness and is tempted by the devil and he passes the test, verse 17, first miracle starts, baby. Why? The Holy Spirit came upon him, came over, overlaid his humanity. Oh, that's too heavy for some people. That might be too heavy for some of you watching via live stream. It says, now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Now watch this. Then Jesus, oh Lord, Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. Oh, I could run right now. He, he wasn't walking in power first. He was walking in obedience first. You cannot walk in power until you've walked in obedience. That's how you get the power. When we walk in obedience, that's how the power comes. Power doesn't come first. If you can't be trusted in obedience, God will never trust you with his power. Obedience first, then the power. If he gives you power without seeing if you're an obedient son or daughter, we will fail. Uh, because your humanity, when you're walking in obedience, is the framework that holds up the power. Oh, Lord Jesus. That's good revelation. Did you hear what I said? Obedience before the power. Obedience is the framework. Do you hear me? It says, Jesus, I think that's verse 14. Jesus, after the temptation, the devil departed him. Then Jesus returned in power. In the, in the, in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And then news spread about him in all the surrounding region. And then he taught in their synagogues. This is when you see the healings begin to take place. This is when you begin to see the miracles take place. You didn't see it in his humanity part of his life, but he had to have that, 30 years of it. It makes me feel, this is what doesn't allow me to get discouraged because I start, okay, Lord, it was 30 years of preparation. It was three years of miracles. I'm gonna stick with it. When you don't see things happening in your life, I don't care if you're 50, 60, 20, don't get discouraged. Somebody prophesied to me recently and they said, don't despise small beginnings. This is how, you remember that? Don't despise small beginnings. Why? Because God's working on the framework. Don't be discouraged in your lives because God is simply working on the framework. And listen, when you walk in obedience to the Lord, it's just a matter of time. Your obedience, you endure the temptations, God's gonna lay these walls with gold. And you're not the gold, and I'm certainly not the gold. My wife will tell you. But when the anointing is flowing, it makes what's human divine. This is so good. Last verse, I promise, okay? I'm breaking all the rules now. 
Acts chapter one, verses seven through eight. Bring me up if you can. This is the book of Acts. And he said to them, Jesus said this to the disciples. It is not for you to know the times of the seasons. They were asking him when his kingdom would come. He's saying, when's the gold? They're saying, when's the gold gonna come? Essentially. When's the kingdom of gonna come? Tell us the signs of the times. And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. He goes, he bypasses all of that because they're struggling in their humanity. They wanna go home. Anybody ever felt like that? Lord, just take me home. I don't wanna live like this anymore. I don't wanna live in this fallen body. I know some of y'all don't wanna admit it, but I, have, I can tell you right now, I've had those moments. Just take me home. Amen. He totally acts like he doesn't hear them because they're battling with their humanity. When are we gonna get out from underneath the Roman rule? When are we gonna stop being beaten, punished by the devil? We want to get out of here. And God, Jesus, acts, Jesus, God, God, Jesus, acts like he doesn't even hear them. They said, when is the kingdom going to come? And he says, don't worry about the times and the seasons, which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Don't you worry about being human? Don't you... <laughs> When they were in that upper room, you know, what I, you know what I think it was? It was the day it started. And this is a picture of how you can receive right now. You know what they were doing when they sat in the upper room? Send the gold. I'm, I'm telling you that Solomon's temple is a picture. It's a picture of Jesus' humanity being laid with wood, but also a picture of his divinity. But guess what? God does the same process with us. Don't let your humanity discourage you. God is about to so pour out his spirit upon your life. that I, I even declare this prophetically. I declare this just by faith. It's not that the Lord's telling me to say, but, but, I, but it's like I see you people, us. I, see, I, see, I don't see wood. I see what God, what the Lord sees. And that's the thing. That's what will bring you up out of your discouragement is when you see yourself like Jesus sees you. He doesn't see you as a single mom struggling. He doesn't see that. He sees, wow, God, look, at, look at how awesome she, she's still leading these kids. Like, look at how she's confident. She has my confidence in her life. She's walking in power. She's walking in confidence. She's walking, being led by my Holy Spirit. She just looks like gold. I don't see the humanity. I see myself. I see my son in her. He, he doesn't see you broke, busted, and disgusted. He doesn't see you depressed. He doesn't see you sick. He sees his son. I wish I had two or three people. Lord, give us eyes to see ourselves the way that you see us in the name of Jesus. And you shall receive power. You know what? I'm going to say this and I'm going to close. I believe God is building his church. And when he goes to start building a church, he builds people first. Before he really builds the church, he builds you. And he builds me. He builds us. Anybody been feeling the Lord building them? You know what happens when you're building? You smash a thumb every once in a while. Yesterday, my brother, he was laying some floors. He was running his hand across the floor. He's my older brother, so he spoils me. They laugh at me if I go on a job because I'm watching him because he does everything for me. I'm the Joseph of the family. My mom knows it. I try to work and they're like, just get out of the way what they do. He was rubbing his hand across the wood, then he gets a splinter in his hand. When, when God is building the framework, it hurts. It hurts. Somebody say, it hurts. But the day is coming, and I believe God's going to do it in all of your lives with every head bowed, every eye closed. I believe it with every fiber and every ounce of my being that God is about to overlay you. This is, a, this is a spiritual picture that I'm talking about and preaching on this morning, but it is a reality spiritually that God is about to overlay it with gold, the wood in your life, your humanity. And Lord, I pray that even right now, precious Holy Spirit, would you begin to pour out on your people, even like you did in the upper room, 
when they sat in that upper room and they were discouraged, not knowing what was gonna happen because you, you ascended into heaven, Jesus. I pray that we would have a Holy Spirit outpouring moment even now in every heart, in every life, in every single mom, every married couple, Lord, every discouraged person, every sick person. Lord, would you begin to pour out your Holy Spirit? Come on, everybody just begin to lift your hands. Begin to lift your hands. Say, say Lord, just touch me. Overlay me with your divinity, Lord. Overlay all my humanity. As I sense even in this room, some of you are struggling. You're like, I'm never, I'm never gonna reach that goal because you keep looking at your humanity. You keep, and if you keep looking at yourself, it's like, it's like God can't finish the work in you. It's like it hinders him from moving. Begin to look to him. Begin to look to him. So Lord, right now, we just ask that you would overlay our walls with your gold, your divinity, your Holy Spirit. Well, we know that you're building, not an earthly building, but you're building a spiritual kingdom in all of us. And all of us are a part of it, Lord. And you wanna use us in these last days. You, you caused us to be born in this hour, in this time, for such a time as this, to use us for your glory, Lord, to change our families, to bring godly change to our families, to bring, bring change to a community, to bring change to a world, God. But we need your Holy Spirit, Lord. Come on, tell him. We need your Holy Spirit. We need an outpouring of your Holy Spirit. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing in the inward parts of our lives and our hearts, Lord. In the name that is above every name, Jesus. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.